so hi, I'm Zoe. I um, am the youth leader here. Last time I spoke, I spoke on an essay that I had written. I didn't just read out the essay, but I'm not doing that this time. Um, instead, I, I have uh, new original material and <laughs> instead of recycling. Um, also, hi to everyone at home. Hope you're feeling extra holy today as we have prayed a lot over the live stream this week. Uh, <laughs> getting it working. Um, so, yeah, so as you may know or you may not know, um, we have just started, as of last week, a series going through Exodus. And we're going to be, we're kind of picking up from where we left off last year, just before Christmas. But this time we're not going through chapter by chapter, kind of going through a bit more of the overall themes and messages of Exodus. I need to turn on my clicker. <laughs> um, so I'm going to pick up from kind of a particular point in the story, kind of halfway through. Um, and picking up here, because it is, I'll come back to that, a turning point in the story. So picking up at Exodus 19, and it is essentially a huge turning point because they are changing from being slaves of one king to being like royal distinguished guests of another king. So changing from going to the pyramids of Egypt to Mount Sinai with God's presence. That's not actually Mount Sinai, by the way. It's just a cool mountain with clouds on it. Um, but yeah, so... They are going from there. And this is where Exodus 19 starts. It starts with them at Mount Sinai. They've just arrived. There's been the plagues and there's been the walking through the Red Sea and Moses has met God and all of that stuff. And they've arrived at Mount Sinai and God uh, descends on the mountain and upon the mountain makes known to the people his plan for them. So this verse here, that kind of Exodus 19, 5 to 6, where God is really setting up who does he want Israel to be. And it kind of, it's one thing that he says to Israel that sets up the picture for the rest of Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy and kind of so on and so forth. And that's being, oh, that doesn't work so well. Did it again. I did this on Friday as well. I picked bad colours. Um, but yeah. <laughs> um, so it talks about being a royal priesthood or a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Like the idea of being a royal priesthood is so important that when I was doing research, I found someone who had written an entire book just about this phrase. And that is the only time the phrase a royal priesthood or a kingdom of priests appears in the Hebrew Bible is here. But it is a theme that keeps coming up throughout it. So royal priesthood or kingdom of priests a priest is a mediator between God and the world. They're seen as having like a place of special honour, showing God to the world. You can see this with the Levitical priests throughout the um, Old Testament, that they're meant to be keeping the place holy and sacred for God's presence to dwell. And they kind of have special privileges on where they can go into His presence. 
And I could get into why they end up having Levitical priests and they aren't all priests, but that's huge tangent and probably a whole nother uh, 20 minutes. But um, kind of there's this really key idea of them having access to the presence of God and the normal restrictions, the things that might be separating them from God, sin, kind of the idea is that they're meant to be removed. They're not there because they now have access to the presence and God can't dwell with sin. And all of this is meant to point towards the redemption that is for everything at the end of time. You might be going, okay, Zoe, that's all nice and well and good. Israel, like, they they definitely still have sin though. Like literally the next chapter, they're worshipping idols. So they're not, they, sin hasn't been removed, but somehow God is still able to dwell in their presence. And part of that is because um, they have a bunch of rituals that get listed later for God to consecrate them. Um, but also part of it is that they are set apart as a holy nation. So the idea of being a holy nation for Israel is that they are set apart from the other nations. They're meant to look different and live differently to how the other nations live. And this holiness comes from the presence of God. They are being sanctified. So the process of being made right or morally good or that sort of thing through God, because that is the only thing that can sanctify us, can make us uh, holy and righteous is the presence of God. You can see this with Moses in Exodus 3 at the burning bush. God tells Moses to take off his sandals because he's standing on holy ground. But the ground isn't holy just because it is. It's holy because God's presence is on the ground. God's presence is in the bush. And so this is meant, this holiness that God gives them is meant to make Israel look and be different. But they don't. They still act and desire things that the other nations have. That's how we get the whole, uh, like, first and second kings and first and second Samuel is that Israel really wanted a king even though God said no I am your king this is how you're going to look different is you're not going to have a king and that results in the kings their people too they're fallen they're broken you have the kind of this descent throughout the book of Judges into awful horrific violence and you have the same thing throughout the book of Kings into idol worship and violence And that's because like all of us, they are broken. Sin hasn't been completely got rid of yet. And there's kind of still this redemption that they're waiting for, even though they're meant to be pointing towards it. However, there is hope because there is a remnant that comes back that remains faithful. And you have the rebuilding of the temple. You have the rebuilding of the walls in uh, Uh, Nehemiah and Ezra, I believe it is. So kind of the great overview of the whole Bible there. Um, Anyway, um, the whole point of it is they're meant to be about the redemption of all of creation, that this, that's the story of Israel and all of that is meant to be pointing towards the story of what God has for everyone and what God has for everything. So there's this whole plan at work that is based off the covenant that God makes with Israel 
that is about making them a holy nation and a royal priesthood. So that's all well and great for Israel, but what does that really mean for us? With the new covenant that is made through Jesus, we are now grafted into the story. So we're now a part of the story that Israel has going. We now are invited into being a part of a royal priesthood and a holy nation. This doesn't mean we're all from Israel. This holy nation that God's talking about is actually the kingdom of God. It is because that is the only place that can be holy is God's kingdom. So this is also picked up in 1 Peter 2.9, where he also talks about being a royal priesthood and a holy nation. So the Hebrew Bible is the Old Testament. This is the New Testament where it comes up a little bit more. So we're told to also be a holy nation, to live as a royal priesthood. But, you know, our model for that is Israel. And, um, you know, they, they do some things right. And they also do some things wrong. And the whole point of them was to live differently. So how are we meant to live differently now? Because I don't know about you, but I don't live over like 5,000 years ago. <laughs> and, you know, I've phones and internet and that sort of thing. If any of you are time travellers, um, that'd be cool. Let me know what it's like back there. Um, <laughs> but we're meant to live differently. So how are we meant to do that? Keep reading First Peter. And how? Keep reading First Peter. And he says, this is where I'll go to my Bible. Do, do, do. Um, he says in verses 11 to 12, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles. So that, I think of it as like exiles in this world because we're meant to be, we're made now to be in the kingdom of God, but through baptism and stuff, but we aren't there yet. So kind of exiles and pilgrims in this side. Um, so, beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honourable, so that they, when they speak against you as evil doers, uh, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Actually, this got me thinking about your word um, that you had before of being courageous with our invitations because that's uh, living out our good deeds to bring glory to God. Um, even if they don't see it, even if they don't accept our invitations, the faithfulness comes from us being gracious with our invitations. But it's hard to do on our own because the courage I'm not a very courageous person. Um, my middle name's Danger, but I don't really live up to it all that much. Um, <laughs> and so we are meant to live as this priesthood, right? And so being a priest means we have access to the presence of God, which sanctifies us and sets us apart. And the key idea here is that presence of God, right? That is what it all hinges on is that's what sanctifies us and sets us apart so that we can live differently, so that we can be different. So what we want to be is people of his presence. 
And being people of His presence isn't just something that you do as you go about your life normally. It takes us to actually actively try and do something different. I don't know about you, but when I um, stop engaging so much with God and Scripture and that sort of thing, I can feel a disconnect in His presence because I'm not actually engaging in the space where I'm going to be set apart and I start to look more like the world and it's harder to reject the desires of my flesh because I'm trying to do it out of my own strength instead of drawing from God's strength. So it takes regular and intentional practices to grow our relationship with Him. Um, If any of the youth are in here, they might recognise this as my definition of spiritual practices on Friday. It is, the spiritual practices are something that are meant to help us be set apart because they help us dwell in the presence of God. So being people of His presence looks like us regularly making time to do things differently, even though our lives are busy, because we go, God is our priority. God is above everything else. And there's a lot of spiritual practices. These are just a few that I could think of as I was um, putting it together. But there are so many different ways that we can engage with it. And all of it is about us doing something different. So the fact that we all come here on a Sunday morning instead of sleeping in is doing something different. It's living differently to the rest of the world. And even the things that we do on our own, whether that be reading a Bible or praying on our own, helps us dwell in the presence of God and be in that space so that it makes it easier to go out and be different because we're already in connection with God. It is hard to live differently as it is and it is absolutely impossible to do on our own. The whole point of this living differently is it will change how we walk through the world. So it will change the footprints that we leave behind us. So it will change the deeds so that people will see what's happening and glorify God. As it says in First Peter, um, is it's about even when they call us evildoers, continuing to walk in the path God has set because they will see the good that comes from it and glorify God and the end of time sort of thing. So it's about walking in the path that God has for us instead of the path of the world. The path of the world is carved through flesh and um, our desires and the path of God is carved through His presence. It's not about walking the path of God, having it all figured out and knowing exactly where God's taking you, but living the life of faith that God has set apart for us. It's about getting through and responding well to the things that life throws at us, responding from the strength that we have resting in God instead of anything that could come from myself. Something I struggle with quite a bit is imposter syndrome. I have these moments where I'm like, I really, I'm quite out of my depth here and I don't really understand how I got here. Um, (laughs) And I feel like a bit of a fraud. But... um, I find those that gets worse when I'm not trusting God because I'm going, I, I shouldn't be here. This isn't what I should be. And God's thing is, no, this is where I've placed you. It's got nothing to do with you. Your feeling is right that you shouldn't 
you didn't do anything to be here, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't be here because everything we have is a gift from God. So in the song we're singing today, your light shines through my darkness or darkness. It's that same thing. It is easier to see his light when I'm looking at him. If I have my back to God, I'm just going to see its reflection. I'm not going to see the light. But if I'm looking at God, it's easier to see his light shining through. It's not about having a list of clear instructions, but it's about dwelling in his presence. And that's what makes our path clear. It's not about looking at the path we're walking. It's about looking at God and trusting that this is the path he has for us to walk. Again, it's really hard to do on our own. Um, Well, it's impossible to do on our own. And it's hard to live like that because we want to be in control. We want to control things, but uh, we can't. And if uh, my 21 years on earth have taught me anything, no matter what you think you can control, you can't control it. Doesn't stop me from trying, but um, hopefully I'll get there eventually. <laughs> but the, it is about just being different and looking different. And then when people ask you, why are you doing this thing? Going, it's because of God. And having the courage to say it's because of God only comes from God. Because when people go, you know, at school or uni or that sort of thing, when people are like, what did you do with your weekend? There'll be times where I'd be like, oh, and just tell them what I did on Saturday um, <laughs> instead. And that's, that's not the whole truth. And so as I got more confident, I would be like, I went to church. That's what I did with my weekend. And that would, so, okay, this is something that you're doing every week. And that's showing something different in a small conversation. But it didn't mean it was easy because people would sometimes be like, oh, why'd you do that? You're a bit weird or that sort of thing. Um, They might have said that for other reasons. But (laughs) it's... And going to also assume that weirdness comes from living differently and walking the path that God has set for me. But it's, yeah, it's just, it's not about having clear instructions. It's not about going, these are my next steps to get where I want to go. This is how I'm going to make the most efficiency and have the most productivity with my time. It's about going, okay, I'm going to slow down. I'm going to stop. I'm just going to be with God in this moment and follow where he's walking um, yeah, so if this is something that you want prayer for, any of it, um, we'd love to invite you up to come and have prayer. Um, I also invite James up to so pray for us.